Now, I wonder if we can turn in our Bibles to the portion of Scripture that that hymn was referring to, John uh, chapter 4, the Gospel of um, John chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 1 of the chapter, John's Gospel chapter 4, and beginning our reading at verse 1 of the chapter. And therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to a parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our Father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidst truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Our uh, text is the uh, first words of verse 11. The woman saith unto, unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Let's just unite together in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our Father, we do thank thee for the 
precious word of God. We thank thee for the Savior who comes with the life-giving water. We thank thee for the one who is able to assuage our thirst. We bless thee for the one who is able to meet our need. And we thank thee for the blessed God of heaven who is there to slake the thirst of those who are still in their sin. We pray, Lord, that thou wouldst bless tonight in the salvation of the lost and pour out of thy spirit upon us, even as we worship thee tonight. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. The text tonight, verse 11 there, comes from our Lord's interview with the woman of Samaria. She had come out in the midday sun of the eastern sun there, and the woman was a notorious sinner. She was a woman who had come out evidently in the middle of the day to make sure that she avoided all of the other women and those that would have been there. She was a woman who was ashamed of what she was, and she was a woman who was in great need. And the Bible says that the Lord must needs go through Samaria. He had to go there in order to meet this one woman, this woman who was a wicked woman, a woman who was notorious for her sin. But in the midst of all that was taking place, in the midst of the coming and going and the Lord's dealings with the Pharisees and the scribes, he goes to meet this one woman there at the well of Sychar. And you'll notice the wonderful provision that the Lord and the promise that the Lord gave to the woman. We're told that whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And what a wonderful provision it is that the Lord gives. And it's without money and without price. The woman didn't have to reach into her pocket and she didn't have to go and labor for the Savior or be his servant in that sense of laboring for the water that he provided. But he was given it without money and without price. And the Lord said to this woman, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is, that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And my, what a wonderful thing that the Lord Jesus Christ provides that living, flowing water of life to those who will ask him. But I want you to see that the woman didn't ask immediately. The first thing that she did is that she begins to argue. She begins to gripe. She begins to put objections to the Lord Jesus Christ. And she says to the Lord, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? And there she was in the face of the Lord's provision. And she was saying to the Lord, There is no way that this can be provided. There is no way that the Lord can meet me at the point of my need. And there are many in this day and generation, and they have the exact same kind of an objection to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all right for everybody else, but how could the Lord save me? It's all right for everybody else, 
but you don't know about my circumstances. You don't know about the things that beset me and the special circumstances as you think that are prevailing in your life. And I want us just to think about the excuses or the objections that this woman makes here in this portion of Scripture. And I want you to see, first of all, that they are preposterous objections. Look at what she says in verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Earlier on, she, if you look at verse 9, she has said, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? And I want you to see the different objections that she makes here as she goes along. First of all, you'll see there's a cultural objection. She says, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And there is the first objection. It's a cultural objection. It is a nationalistic objection. She says, I'm a Samaritan. We have nothing to do with the Jews. And the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. And you think back about the great enmity that there was between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans had come into being in the time when the Jews had been taken into captive in Babylon. And then in 722 BC, there were those half-breeds, as it were, that were transported from the Assyrian Empire over to Samaria. They set up a kind of a hybrid religion. It was partly pagan and partly Jewish, partly following the word of God. And they worshipped the Lord on Mount Gerizim. And that's what she refers to. She says, we have our own way of worship. We have our own way of coming to God. And you know, as we think about that, how many times we've heard that kind of cultural objection. I've my own religion. I've my own church. And if you've done any amount of outreach, you'll have heard that. You'll hear that more than any other. Particularly, I would say, from Church of Ireland people. I've my own church. I've my own minister. I've my own tradition. I've my own religion. I have my own way of going. And we hear that time and time and time again. And there are so many and that is their objection. I am a different religion. Well, dear friend, it doesn't matter about your religion. It matters whether you've drunk of the living water. It doesn't matter what tradition you come from. What you need to know is that you have partaken of the provision that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in his word. And my dear friend tonight, you need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ Here was this antagonism that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. And here she is speaking about her religion and her way of worship. But it doesn't matter at the end of the day. The Lord said, come to me. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. So dear friend, don't hide behind your religion. Don't be hiding behind your own church traditions. The Bible says, The hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Lord is saying, You've got to have your heart right. 
And you've got to worship God, not by your tradition, but by the truth that he has unfolded in his word. So there is this cultural objection that she has. But then there is a conventional objection. Because this woman comes and she says to the Lord Jesus, Why are you speaking to me? Why are thou a Jew speaking to me who am a woman of Samaria? A woman of Samaria. And there are a number of barriers that were set up really by means of conventions in those days. The first barrier, of course, was that she was a woman. And a man and a woman wouldn't have normally conversed the way that she, the Lord does with the woman. Here were two people. And the second, of course, was that the Lord was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. And we've already thought about that. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritan. But the third barrier between the two was that the Lord was a rabbi, a teacher. And she was a woman who was a sinner. And that was a huge war. That was the, the rabbis of that day would, not, would make sure that they did not come anywhere near someone who had a reputation as being a sinner. So there were all of these conventions in that day, these traditions that we have. And we think of the conventions of the society in which we live today. Oh, people would like a preacher who keeps all the conventions, who doesn't rock the boat, who doesn't speak plainly. And oh, uh, how people would love to go, oh, I love a wee minister, and he uh, just uh, preaches the gospel softly, as uh, I heard of a minister not far from where I was laboring across the border who spoke of how he loved to preach the gospel softly. Oh, dear friend, there are many conventions in this day and generation, and there are many people who would love to have a religion that is uh, straight up and down, a religion that is in conformity to the conditions of the world. But dear friend, here is a woman, and her need is of the Savior. Her need is of eternal life, and it doesn't matter about the conventions. The Lord sweeps the conventions aside. The Lord has nothing to do with these traditions that were keeping this woman away from the message of salvation. And there are many conventions and many uh, traditions that people have. Oh, maybe you don't want to rock the boat. Maybe that's the reason why you're not saved. But dear friend, better to rock the boat than to perish forever in a Christless eternity. There is the conventional objection. But then we're going to call them the carrying out objection. He says here that the well is deep. He's saying the situation is impossible. Let me tell you, the gospel well is deep. And it is deep because there has to be enough water to cleanse away the sins of those that come to him. And I'm glad tonight that the gospel well is deep. There's water enough to cleanse you. There's water enough to wash your sins away. And dear friend, you'll never come to the end of the gospel well. You'll never get to the depths of the gospel well. And we think of the depths of the mercy and the grace of Almighty God uh, this evening. But we think of the one who triumphed over sin, the one who died on the cross and shed his blood that we might be saved. The well is deep. And dear friend, it is deep. 
And not only is it a well that is able to provide, but the thought is that it is deep so that there's no way that you can reach the bottom. There's no way that the Lord, without a long rope and a bucket, was able to get to the bottom of this well. And it's the same with you, dear friend. The well's deep. You're not going to get it, get to the water by yourself. You're not going to reach it by your own efforts. There's no way that you can get to the bottom of this well by your own strength and by your own power. And that's why you need the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. That's why you need his salvation. You need the Savior of men. You need to have the one who is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. And dear friend, the situation is impossible. You are inadequate. There is no way that you can find the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only is the situation impossible, but the means are inadequate. We have no vessel to draw with. There is no peel or bucket. There's no dish or bowl or anything else by which we can get to the depth of the well of God's salvation. The only means of reaching the water of life is by faith. The Bible says that by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the faith of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can plumb the depths, and what we need to do is rest in him and put our faith in him. God is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. He's able to make all grace abound towards us, and he is sufficiency of all things, and we can rest in our God. You might think tonight that God's not able to save me. He's not able to take my sin away. My sin is too terrible. But I'm glad that while you might think that it is impossible, that with God all things are possible. So we think about these preposterous objections that are made by the woman. Maybe you come tonight with preposterous objections. Maybe tonight you're trying to think of every excuse why you should not be saved. Dear friend, abandon every excuse and take the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But not only do I want you to see the um, uh, preposterous offer but I want you to see or the preposterous objections. But look at the phenomenal offer. Look at John chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And I want you to see the substance of the offer. It speaks there of living water. Living water is running water. You'll think of here how the Lord Jesus is by a well, and a well water, well water would have been stagnant water. It would have been still. It wouldn't have been running. And therefore, you can see right away that the offer that the Lord Jesus Christ has given is not to do with the well that he's standing by, because this is living water. This is running water. This is the water of life. But what is this living water? What is the living water that the Lord is offering to this woman? You know, 
the uh, reason why many people do not uh, uh, take the living water or receive the living water is because they don't know what it is. And that's the woman's problem. The woman here in this portion of Scripture, she's uh, trying to get behind what the Lord Jesus Christ has said. She's trying to understand. She's saying, from whence hast thou this living water? She's looking at the well. She's looking at the desert all around her. She can't understand what the Lord is saying to her. What is this living water that the Lord is talking about? And we need to know what the living water is. If we're going to offer you, if God in his word is offering you living water, then it's the very first thing that you need to know is what this living water is. Well, if you look at the portion of scripture, you begin to get some clues about what the living water is. Is. You'll notice, for example, that whoever drinks of this water is never going to thirst again. This is not ordinary water. It's not talking about ordinary water. If you drink ordinary water, you'll thirst again. If you, he says, if you drink of the water that's in this well, you'll thirst again. But this is water where you'll never thirst again. You'll notice also that in drinking this water, the drinker will have wells of water springing up into everlasting life. And you'll notice that this water is something that the Lord Jesus Christ gives. He, say, he speaks about the gift of God. So this is something that the Lord Jesus Christ gives. And then there's another clue, because if you look at John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, it says in the last day, the, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Lord is making it plain here, he says, if any man thirst, come to me. And if you uh, come to me, then the Holy Spirit will come to dwell in you when the Holy Spirit is given. And he will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now, just look at one more condition here. If you look at verse 10, you'll see that there are two things that are said in the portion of Scripture. He speaks there about uh, there was a vast of him, and he would have given the uh, living water. Um, he says, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So in order to have this living water, you need to know Christ. You need to know Christ. You see, if thou knewest the gift of God, who's the gift of God? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So what we're seeing, if you look at all of the evidence here, you'll see that it is the Holy Spirit. The, the water is the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell in the heart of those that receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the living water. That's where the living water comes from. It comes from Christ. It comes from the Holy Spirit who comes to dwell in the heart of those that believe. Now, this is the offer. It is the offer of Christ. It is the offer of the Holy Spirit of God who comes to dwell in the heart of the believer. 
So we notice something there about the substance of the offer. It is Christ. It is the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in the heart of the believer. But then I want you to think about the satisfaction of the offer. Because it says that when we receive Christ and when we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit, we will never thirst again. Now, what does that mean? Now, maybe we have never really experienced thirst the way that you would if you were dwelling or living in an eastern country, if you were living in the midst of the desert. And when you really are thirsty, it becomes it becomes uncomfortable and you become increasingly desperate about getting water. But one of the wonderful things about the good news that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ is that he meets our basic need. That's what it speaks. John 4 and 11, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? And she's speaking there about drinking Uh, not stagnant water. But you notice the source of the river. It says in John 7, verse 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the belly there refers to the heart. It's something to do with the heart, the very innermost being. This is what the Lord is dealing with here. Not the outward, not the symptoms, not just the um, uh, very periphery things of our lives. But the Lord is dealing here with the heart and center, and that's what it means that we'll never thirst. Does it mean that when we come to Christ, we never want again? No, it doesn't mean that. But it means that right down in the depths of our heart, there is a need. There's a need of fellowship with God. There's a need in our hearts of being close to God. We are made by God to have fellowship with God. And within the hearts of men and women, whether they know it or not, there is a deep down thirst. Often it's described as a God-shaped hole in the midst of every man and woman. And dear friend, that God-shaped hole needs to be filled. And the only one who can fill a God-shaped hole is God. And dear friend, The wonderful thing is, and I want you to think about the thirst that you have. The Lord Jesus here puts his finger upon the thirst that this woman has. You'll notice when she speaks about the living water here, that if you look at verse 15, the woman saith, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. And you'll notice the reply of the Lord Jesus immediately to that, and it looks like a strange reply. She's asked for the water. So what does the Lord say? Go call thy husband and come thither. Now why does the Lord say that? You'll notice that he never really refers even very much to the... She's an adulterer. She's had five men. The one whom she's now living with is not her husband. She's living with a boyfriend. She's living in sin. She's living outside of the realms of marriage. And she knows that there's a... She's out there in the middle of the day because she's avoiding the other people. She's scorned. She's shunned by the other people. She's living a miserable life. She's living a miserable life. And the Lord just says to her, go and call thy husband because he's identifying the need. He's identifying her thirst. You know, there are times when the Lord would identify her thirst. There are times maybe when God speaks to us And he begins to identify the fact that we're sinners in the sight of a holy God. Maybe there have been times when suddenly at his 
um, as a light shining in your heart and in your head, you've realized the depth of your sin. You know, you can seal on uh, many times and you can just go on without uh, God and ever thinking about God or the condition of your heart. But maybe you do something or think something and you just wonder to yourself, how could I ever think that or do that that I've done? And you're just confronted by the wickedness of your sin. And that's just what the Lord was doing with this woman. He's just identifying her thirst. He's showing her what she really is in the sight of a holy God. Here's a woman who is in adultery, and she's just getting a glimpse of the wickedness of her heart. Dear friend, there's a thirst, and it doesn't matter how high up you may be. You might have a PhD. You might have a place in the highest halls of learning. You might be a rich person, although I don't know if there are any rich people here in that sense tonight. But on the other hand, you might be down in the very depths, but it doesn't matter, dear friend, there's a need. There's a need that is in the heart of every man and woman and boy and girl. And the only one that can meet that need is the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be changed. You need to be transformed. You need the grace of God to come and make a difference in your heart and life. But notice something else. Notice the sharing of the offer. Because this offer is made to a very sinful woman. She was a woman that had gone through all of these relationships and she was now living outside of marriage. But the Lord just comes to her and we read that he must needs go through Samaria and he goes to meet with that very woman. You know, the devil will tell you that you're not good enough to be saved. And you're not good enough to be saved. None of us is good enough to be saved. But that's the very point. God saves sinners. He reaches down, and dear friend, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and he'll save you if you'll just trust him as your own and personal Savior. So we notice here there is the preposterous objections that the woman had, and then we have the phenomenal offer that the woman was given. But look at also at the proper order that the Lord gave her in order to receive the blessing. Look again at verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Now I want you to notice that it is a gift. He says, If thou knewest the gift of God. Salvation is a gift. It's without money, without price. It is the grace of God. And we emphasize that. It is no merit in ourselves. There's no merit in what we do. But I want you to see that there is something of an order that is given as to how you receive this wonderful gift of eternal life and living water. The first step is knowing if thou knewest the gift of God. And we need to know. And that's why God has sent his word. That's why God has given us the scriptures. That's why God has sent preachers to proclaim the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that men and women might know. And you, do th- you think today, and we often forget about the uh, great, uh, the great uh, 
uh, endeavor that people had and, and the great efforts that people went through in order to bring us the scriptures in our own language. You think of William Tyndale way back in 1530. He began to translate the scriptures into English from the Hebrew and from the Greek. And you remember how that he was entrapped. He had to flee to Belgium. And there he was entrapped and he was taken and he was burned at the stake. Why? Because he wanted to translate the scriptures into English so that we might have the Bible that we have in our own tongue. And a lot of the Bible that we do have today is William Tyndale's translation. You think of men like Latimer and Ridley, the bishops, and they were put to death because they were resisting popery and resisting the Pope, but also because they wanted to put the Bible into the hands of the people. And we think of many different lands where there are those that have laid down their lives that we might have the Scriptures in our hands, those that have gone at the danger of their own lives to preach the Word of God in different places and in different languages. And God wants us to know. He wants you to know. He has you listening in tonight, listening in the meeting tonight, that you might know that there is eternal life and that there is a way of salvation and that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he died the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, that he uh, bear our sins in his own body, on the tree, that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. He has conquered death and sin and hell there on the cross of Calvary. And through that triumph, we can have eternal life. And that's the first thing you've got to know. You've got to know, oh, dear friend, he is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. But the next step, you not only need to know, but you need to ask. He says, if thou knewest the gift of God and who, and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him. Ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. Have you ever asked? We need to call upon the name of the Lord is part of God's salvation. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever asked? Have you ever said, Lord, save me. Lord, wash away my sins. Lord, uh, cleanse me from every sin. Make me fit for heaven. Have you ever asked? Asking will not, uh, asking, asking the Lord in your heart. That salvation is a lot more than that. But dear friend, it includes that. You've got to ask. He wants you to ask. He wants you to uh, receive his so great salvation. You need to ask. But the next step is receiving. To as many as receive him, to them give you the power to become the sons of God. The, the Lord said to the woman, Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. If you ask, you'll receive. And you can see the relationship between the two things. There's no doubt about the fact that you'll receive. That he will give you the living water. That uh, there's no condition there. That if you do such and such or fulfill such and such a condition, that you'll have eternal life. No, it says here that if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open unto you. He that believeth on me, 
Uh, the Bible says, as the scripture has said, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, abundant life, uh, life, life, eternal life. Jesus alone is the giver. And what a wonderful prospect. We think of how we'll sit down with the blessed there in the home of the free, in that place where there'll be no sin or sorrow or death, and where we'll be at liberty from sin and from the uh, bondage that it brings us into, and my will sing the songs of the blessed throughout all eternity. Oh, dear friend, living water. And the Lord says to the woman, if you knew who it was that was saying to you, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. You know what your problem is, dear friend? Your faith. You don't believe. You don't believe that God is the one who gives eternal life. Otherwise, dear friend, you would be mad. You'd be a lunatic. And you are a lunatic because you don't ask for God's eternal life. And it's there for the asking. It's free without money and without price. Will you not ask? Will you not call upon the name of the Lord tonight? Will you not turn to God and be saved by his mercy and grace? Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. And could I say to you, if God has spoken to your heart, then do uh, speak to us or get in contact with us. And we'd love to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't go away without the Savior tonight. The well is deep, but Christ is able to draw waters from the well and give you eternal life. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do thank Thee for the provision that God has given in His Word. We thank Thee for that life, eternal life, that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd ask Thee that men might know the way of salvation, and that they might ask for God's salvation, and then that they might receive God's salvation. Bless thy word, write upon hearts, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we turn to the last hymn there, the hymn 366? I've lost my hymn book. Oh, there it is. The hymn 366 I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame, and nothing satisfying there I found. But to the blessed cross of Christ one day I came, where springs of living water did abound. The hymn 366, and we'll stand as we sing.
Remember, if you can, just wait with us, please, for a short time of prayer afterwards. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we pray that thou wouldst part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. And, O God, that we might ever partake of the springs of living water. Be with us now in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with thy people both now and in the incoming days. For Jesus' sake, amen.